Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is P.L. Stewart, author of the novel A Drowned Kingdom. P.L., welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Jeff. I'm honored to be here. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, how would you describe your novel? Uh, I would describe my novel as high epic fantasy um, with uh, imaginative world building, uh, some stirring battle scenes, and some very compelling and thought-provoking themes in the novel. And do you remember the original idea or impetus that that prompted you to write A Drowned Kingdom? Well, Jeff, this idea was germinating for a long time, essentially since high school, and it took on various iterations. But eventually, uh, in my late 40s, almost 50s, it uh, became the novel that uh, was was published recently in February, A Drowned Kingdom. A long time percolating, so. And and can you tell me kind of about your writing journey during those years? Were you working on short stories? You said that this was a, a idea that you had had back to high school. Did you write multiple drafts? Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your writing journey through the years? Well, it's funny. Um, in high school, I wrote for a community uh, newspaper, a uh, local newspaper. Actually, I, I was writing sports, <laughs> of all things, very different from fantasy. Uh, they ha- offered me a job there. I declined because I wanted to finish um, high school, go to university. Um, in university, I majored in uh, in English uh, with minor history, and my specialization was uh, medieval uh, literature. Uh, so back then, I I was I conceived um, writing something that was uh, very much um, based on my version of uh, Plato's Tale of Atlantis. Um, I started some drafts, then never finished them. Uh, Life uh, continued to get really busy, hectic, raising a family, uh, writing took a real backseat. And then eventually, uh, at a point much later in life, when you're, you know, pretty well an empty nester, I really settled down and thought, okay, you know, I got to get this done if, you know, (laughs) I'm almost 50, so I have more than half my life is probably behind me, so I need to get this done. So then I picked it up, and uh, about three years later, I came up with uh, A Drowned Kingdom, so... Which and, I'm very happy about. And so, so what was the writing process for you? Let's say when you picked it up, um, as you just mentioned and said, like, now's the time for me to write this. Did, had you outlined the novel? Was it completely written at that point and you revised? Can you just tell us a little bit about kind of the writing process? Well, funny enough, I started from scratch around, essentially from scratch. It was just some, some real cursory ideas around three years ago. I wrote a book that would essentially be the equivalent of, uh, you know, six or seven, 400 page books. So I decided, well, no one's going to want to read that. I'm not George R. R. Martin. No one's going to want to read my, my 1500, 2000 page book. <laughs> so I chopped it into seven pieces, essentially. So the guts of uh, the seven books in the series I have planned is, is nominally written. It's just a lot of revision and, and, and adding things. But uh, yeah, so the, the, I did essentially, I do have an outline. I actually have an outline for a 20 book, uh, a 20 book uh universe uh based on <laughs> on on this 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 exact thing but the first seven books is a series based on um primarily one character his name's Othran. he's a prince uh, of the atlanteans and uh he's uh very controversial got some very uh bigoted and flawed views but i think people will find him very interesting and uh he's the focus of the sub books in the main series called the drowned kingdom saga of which a drowned kingdom is the first book 
And so you said it's the first book. Are you um, hard at work on the second book? Yes, I am. I'm hoping to have the second book ready to go to editing uh, sometime in the late summer. And then uh, with all luck, um, A Drowned Kingdom was published in February 2021. And I'm planning for the next book called The Last of the Atalanteans to be published around the same time, uh, hopefully in February or March uh, 2022. And how does it feel to finally have your book out there after all those years of kind of thinking about the idea? I mean, you said it was all the way back to high school. Yeah, Jeff, it's really overwhelming. Um, you know, I've been been humbled by the response. Um, you know, the one thing I've realized, though, that, uh, you know, a writer's work is never done, especially you plan to write a series and you're, you're only as, as good as your most recent book and your most recent success. So uh, I'm putting all my energies forward into making uh, The Last of the Atlanteans, hopefully even better than The Drowned Kingdom and, and so on and so on as the series continues. So, And, and are you seeing uh, a kind of difference in your writing between A Drowned Kingdom and the second book? Well, hopefully I'm getting better. <laughs> hopefully I'm improving. Um, you know, I, I think uh, with your first book, I, I think a lot of authors would agree, you know, um, it's almost like an anomaly. Um, you you're, you have your, what you believe is your style. You start off, um, you write your book, and then you get feedback and, you know, you get uh, critiques and uh, you see things in your own writing you like to improve and some things that, you know, you, you feel work really well. And uh, hopefully you continue to, um, you know, develop and evolve as a writer and, and make your writer even better, even better. Sorry. And that's what I'm working on. Sure. And can you tell us a little bit? Of, I mean, you, you just mentioned briefly, you were talking about some of the uh, ideas and philosophies of this major character that um, are somewhat problematic. Can you talk about kind of your decision to do that? Well, um, the main character, Othran, he's very bigoted. Uh, he, uh, you know, the, the book is filled with, uh, themes of, um, patriarchy, colonialism, sexism, misogyny, homophobia, um, religious, religious intolerance and persecution. Um, those are all things that I feel, unfortunately, are still very much front and center in today's world. And, um, I tried to make the book relatable to those themes. Because I think those themes, unfortunately, are timeless. A lot of them, and are are, are still, um, you know, burning burdening us and weighing us down today. So I wanted uh, my book, although it's fantasy, to to be tied into those themes, and and not so much as to um, you know uh, find resolutions, because I think those are problems that have plagued us, you know, as as long as as humankind's been around. But more or less, insight, discussion, and and kind of exploration of those topics. Sure. So given your experience of finally getting a drowned kingdom written and published, as you said, in your late forties, uh, what writing advice would you offer for those who are listening, who are working on their own stories and novels? Well, I certainly don't give up a perseverance. If someone like me can do it, uh, publishing at, at 52, uh, anyone could do it. Um, writing is a long game and books, especially novels normally take a long time to write. So uh, stick with it, especially, um, you know, for those uh, pursuing the traditional publishing path. I didn't pursue that path. I went the self-publishing route. However, um, I find both routes um, or some hybrid of, of in-between is, is equally, are equally viable um, today. And um, because this, the traditional um, route involves, uh, you know, querying, trying to find an agent, and then having that agent shop your book. 
and then waiting for that publisher to actually get your book out there, which in the timelines are, are nominally longer than self-publishing. So uh, again, perseverance, stick with, stick with it. And uh, your persistence and perseverance uh, will definitely pay off. And, and I'm curious around that. I mean, what, what kind of, I mean, I know you mentioned the, the kind of empty nest. Was that what finally prompted you to sit down and say, I'm going to tackle this uh, idea that's been with me for years? Well, yes, that was definitely a uh, part of it, uh, Jeff, because, you know, I, I think all writers cliche, if it, it sounds that way, however, forgive me, but, um, all writers feel that they have this, this work bursting, uh, to get out of them, all creatives, whether you're, you're a painter or writer, musician, you feel you have this work inside you. It's, it needs to get out. You need to share it with the world. Uh, but that of course is, the, is this dichotomy because then you're, you're all nervous about whether or not the world's going to enjoy it the way you do. But, um, yeah, it just, it was something I had to get out. And I felt, uh, you know, almost like you feel your, your clock ticking in that, you know, okay, even if I live to be a hundred, if I want to write, uh, 20 books, say, which is at least my plan. Um, if I don't start in my fifties, that would at least take me to my seventies, potentially eighties. So I just felt this, this innate need to get started. Sure. Sure. And can you talk about, I mean, you, you said that you decided to go the indie publishing or self-publishing, uh, route as opposed to, um, all of the querying for traditional publishing, et cetera. Can you just tell us how that self-publishing journey has gone for you thus far? Well, uh, thus far it's worked out really well. Uh, I enlisted the help of a great self-publishing assist company called Friesen Press. I consider them kind of like the Cadillac or Mercedes of, uh, self-publishing assist, uh, in terms of at least Canada, uh, where I, I am. Um, so the, I, I found that the process was very similar, uh, from what I understand it, uh, from my traditionally published friends to, uh, traditionally. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Being traditionally published, I mean, uh, the reverse, obviously, in that uh, you're paying a self-assist company uh, upfront uh, money rather than receiving uh, an advance. And, uh, you know, I found that the royalties seem to be a bit more competitive with the self-publishing uh, end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, it's, it's been fantastic. I mean, the, the, the again, the journey is very similar with editing and, and proofreading and, and copy edits and book evaluations and, you know, cover design. And I, I, from, from my understanding, everything's 
pretty well the same. It's just that, again, you're not, uh, you don't have the, uh, unfortunately, you don't have the big marketing right. uh, machine that traditionally publishing uh, houses have behind you. And you have to do uh, predominantly all your own uh, marketing and, uh, you know, pumping your book. However, um, you know, again, uh, there is a, a level of creative freedom. I think you enjoy in self-publishing that is second to none. So uh, I don't think you can go wrong uh, with either route. But as I said, the clock was ticking and and I felt it'd be a lot faster for me to go the self-publishing route. Sure. So what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Oh, wow. The list is long. I, 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 I tend to read now a lot more uh, self-published books of my self-published colleagues. Um, you know, I'm just cause I'm, I'm, I'm immersed kind of in that, in that, uh, no, you, um, you know, but, but I can uh, name so many fantastic sure. books. I mean, um, uh, Bjorn Larson is a, an amazing, uh, writer. He writes, uh, one of his, his books, children, um, uh, Norse, uh, mythology, a great book, uh, Holly Tinsley, uh, we men of ash and shadow. Uh, she's, uh, just recently become, a uh, semi-finalist in the self-published fantasy blog off hosted by famous uh, author, Mark Lawrence. Um, you know, the neglected merge, uh, Eve Kokoshi, uh, she writes fantasy utopian romance. Um, you know, R.P. Lauer, Scars of Gay, another a fantasy uh, type book. Um, you know, th th there's so many going on. I, I read a lot of trad uh, published books, off, obviously. Uh, John Gwynn, one of my favorites, uh, Shadow of the Gods, his recent book was fantastic that I read. Um, you know, so yeah, there's, sure. there's so many books that I could, I could list. So I'm curious, did you participate in the uh, self-published fantasy blog off? <laughs> yeah, coincidentally, um, I'm, I've, put my book in there it's uh you know it's kind of like this big leap of faith and it's it's fantastic it's an hard to be part of it. it's very nerve-wracking um the uh the the competition goes uh, all the way till next year yeah um they're just getting into the self uh this the sort of the uh semi-finalist stages slowly now um so it's it's nerve-wracking waiting to hear what the feedback on your book is but i mean the thing about that competition is this the caliber is so high there's so many amazing books uh, yeah. and the bloggers themselves will say it comes down to taste a lot, uh, whether or not you, you, you manage to advance through the round. So, and the odds are stacked against you, but you're hoping for some positive feedback for the viewers at a minimum. And, and, and hopefully, um, even if your book doesn't advance that it, it just garners you that larger audience, all the exposure that comes to the contest. And, you know, someone will find your book that, that likes it, uh, even if the bloggers don't. And that's, that's the way I think you have to look at it in terms of optimism. So. I agree. I'm actually a reviewer. There's a science fiction, a self-published science fiction blog off that Hugh Howey just started. Yes. Um, and we're just getting into it now. We haven't even started reading. We're in, we're in the preliminary stages. Um, but I'm looking forward to that. I agree. I think it's a good opportunity to expose people to a variety of, of indie and self-published uh, novels. So where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Well, uh, my website is www.plstuart.com. Um, you can, uh, visit my website. Um, I have a media page where I, uh, I typically list, um, any, uh, interviews and podcasts I've been part of any, uh, newspaper or magazine articles uh, written about myself for the book. Um, you can obviously, uh, visit my website as well for my blog, um, and, uh, any updates, uh, about, uh, publication, et cetera, for, for next uh, upcoming novels. I'm very active on social media, especially Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at 
P.L. Stewart writes. Um, my DMs are open. Feel free to uh, DM me there if you have a question or like to chat about about writing. Um, you know, I, I follow back uh, almost all creatives uh, on Twitter. So I'm also on Facebook as well uh, at P.L. Stewart writes. Um, I'm fairly active there. So, yep, those are the best places to get a hold of me. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with P.L. Stewart, author of the novel, A Drowned Kingdom. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And P.L., thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Yeah, great. Now, stay tuned as P.L. Stewart reads from his novel, A Drowned Kingdom. Within the outermost two rings of the Circle City, was where most of our capital's great populists lived out their lives, in wide streets laid first in mud and then covered with cobblestones. The Circle City was where there were frenetic shops and squares and where the traders called out their wares to entice customers to partake of the greatest selection of goods found anywhere in the world. It was where the rich and highborn could purchase gems, spices, and exotic fabrics and the poorer citizens could get their wheat, fruit, and meats. In the great city, there were great pillared temples erected to the worship of the single god, the true god, and the bell tolled twice every sixth day to summon the congregation to prayers. In our capital, one also found taverns, gaming houses, and brothels, which plied to a different kind of supplicant than those who patronized the temple. Those supplicants worshipped the ale flask, the rolling dice, and the flesh of painted women who offered other intoxicating pleasures that did not come in a cup or on a board. The capital held the lofty manners of lords with their perfumed gardens and wide courtyards. In the Circle City could be found sweaty gymnasiums where the knights, the armed protectors of our realm, and sworn servants of the single god, trained with blunted swords and thin wooden shields. Our capital kept mighty stables that housed horses those knights rode for war and peaceful use. One would find there that the better off lived in houses of stone and clay than the less fortunate in ones formed of wattle and thatch. Every day, more than ten times ten thousand people enjoyed all the excitement and bustle of the world's greatest city. In the very central part, the innermost ring, at the heart of the Circle City, the main building, even though it was surrounded by its own moat, was entirely enclosed within the embrace of 40-foot-high concrete walls. That building was the castle of the kings of my island, called the High Castle. That mighty fortification was adjoined to the great Triangle Temple, with its shining gold on roof and the royal mausoleums, known to the common folk as the Greybeds. It was where the great kings, queens, lords, and ladies of the land were entombed in stone, as was befitting the most noble, and slept in eternal splendor beneath the mausoleum's wide, pale, and silent arches. The high castle was topped by the spire of Atalan, highest building in the land, which was a massive gleaming tower pointing to heaven like a finger showing the way to God. It was at the bottom of the spire where the great hall of kings was constructed. In that hall, the king of our island sat on his throne, surrounded by great statues of his forebears, 
and priceless embroidered textiles and warded by his personal guard. The throne of our king, at the center of the hall, was mounted on a ten-foot-high dais, with stairs used to ascend to the seat, and was so elevated that it earned the king's throne the name of the High Chair. Though whenever I heard that name, I giggled irrationally, thinking spitefully of Earthful when he became king, like a spoiled brat in a raised wooden stool for toddlers, hinking his legs impotently as they hung off the ground not the austere seat reserved for the most exalted royal rump. From the rear of the Hall of Kings, curved staircases rose into the spire, and on those floors above the hall were the chambers of all the royal family, including my own, as second prince, several stories up, just below those of Erthel, who in turn resided on the level beneath the massive apartments of the king himself. Those apartments for the sovereign had been turned from the original smaller solar and bedroom of Atalan IV into a massive, sumptuous suite that spanned the entire floor. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.